Amen. Good morning and welcome to worship this morning at Beargrass Christian Church. Uh, my name is Susan Lowe and I'm one of the ministers here and I'm so excited and delighted that you are here to worship this morning on this 4th of July. Just a couple of announcements you'll see out in the gathering space, Keith Altman with all kinds of goodies uh, involved with Habitat for Humanity. I think he's searching for some workers for a new house uh, that they're building, so see Keith for more information on that if you're willing to volunteer for that. And also, uh, his wife, Missy Altman, is involved with uh, St. Matthew's Area Ministry. She's on the board and wants everybody to know uh, you are invited to go to Outback this week uh, because when you go to Outback and mention that you're there for St. Ma'am, a portion of your bill will go uh, to give money to the, the mission and ministry of St. Matthew Area Ministries. They're open from like 11 to 10, so get some shrimp on the barbie and uh, know that your, your money is going to go to uh, feeding those who are in hung hungry and, and in need. Um, again, we welcome you this weekend, and now let us uh, continue to center our hearts and minds uh, for worship as we stand and sing our opening hymn, My Country, Tis of Thee. invite you to be seated and if there are any children that are present I know it's a holiday weekend but I invite you to come forward but I think most are at the lake or doing other things this morning but guess what 
you are all children of God. So, I can do this one moment. All right. Well, children of God, how many of you have ever had a boo-boo? Just checking, just checking. Well, right here today, I have a sweet little one who has a little boo-boo. And if you had a cut or scrape on your arm, what might you do? Put a Band-Aid. But before you put the Band-Aid on it, what might you do? You gotta, you know, you gotta clean out the wound. So I've got some cleaner. It's gonna be okay. We clean the band, the wound away. And then yes, you get a bandage. I got extra large ones so everybody could see the bandage. Yes. It's a big boo-boo, right, Susan? And we bandage that wound. But typically, when a child does this, and I know this from a couple weeks of camp this summer, from splinters to cuts to scrape, the first thing they always have to do is ask for help, right? When you're usually hurt, you don't tend to take care of your boo-boo yourself, do you? Even when we get older, we want someone to come and help take care of us. Well, that kind of happens in our story today in the Bible. Wasn't such a simple boo-boo for the two individuals who were sick. But they still had the courage to ask for help. You know, now it seems kind of weird on a weekend when we celebrate our freedom. One of the things that we truly remember is that with God, we always have someone on whom we can depend. And there's always someone who cares and loves for us. And puts people in our lives who can help care for some of those boo-boos. Will you pray with me? Gracious and loving God. As we gather here this weekend, we thank you for the times when we have felt your healing presence. We are praying for those who currently need to be healed in so many different ways. Empower us to reach out with your love and your grace and share your healing love with all those we encounter. In your name we pray.
amen, as we enter into a time of prayer, there are a couple of things to make you aware of. First, I neglected to invite you to fill out the yellow connection card, letting us know that you are here and also inviting you if you have a prayer request or concern to fill that out on the back and check the box and we will share that with the larger church family. Also want to ask you to keep in your thoughts and prayers the Rattermaker and Brown families as Karen passed away on Wednesday. Uh, information on the visitation and service will be sent out later this afternoon. We also want to continue to remember our senior minister, Trey Flowers, and especially his wife, Marlette, and the passing of her father. He died last Saturday. There was a service celebrating his life uh, on Friday in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and there will be a graveside service this coming Tuesday in Fort Worth, Texas. Texas. So let us continue to keep those families uh, in our prayers. I know there are lots of people and situations on our hearts and minds, and so now let us go to God in prayer. God of hope and healing, we have gathered to worship you this day to offer our thanks and praise for your love and mercy that surrounds and enfolds us each and every moment of our lives, even when especially when we are hurting and not so sure of where you are. And so we thank you for your presence with us always. We thank you for your healing touch known to us in so many ways. And then through phone calls, texts, cards, people reaching out to us, joining us in times of sorrow as well as in times of celebration. We give you thanks for the hope we have in you, known in your promises and stories in scripture and the songs and hymns of our faith and in the words and actions of those who follow the way of your son, Jesus the Christ. And we ask that you give us courage to follow Jesus, to reach out to those ostracized and cast aside and to offer them healing and hope, to offer them community, a place to experience wholeness. Show us the way, O oh God. Give us vision and wisdom. And on a day in which we give thanks for the freedom we know and experience in this country, we certainly give thanks for all those who serve and who have served, who have made it and continue to make it possible for us to know and enjoy such freedom. Even though there is much to be thankful for and celebrate, O oh God, we also know that there is also much to be done. And so we pray for change, for a way forward, for healing, for unity in our diversity, and for all to truly know and experience freedom, especially the freedom found in you. Oh God, there are so many people and things on our hearts and minds this day, and so we offer them all to you. We entrust them to you, trusting that you will bring your hope and peace, your comfort and healing, your wholeness into their lives. Oh God, we offer this prayer and all the prayers within us this day in the name of your Son, the one who came and who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever.
Our scripture reading this morning comes from the Gospel according to Mark, chapter 5, verses 21 through 43. When Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered around him, and he was by the sea. Then one of the leaders of the synagogue named Jairus came, and when he saw him, fell at his feet and begged him repeatedly, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. So he went with him. And a large crowd followed him and pressed in on him. Now there was a woman who had been suffering from hemorrhages for 12 years. She had endured much under many physicians. And it spent all that she had. And she was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. For she said, if I but touch his clothes, I will be made well. Immediately, her hemorrhage stopped. And she felt it in her body that she was healed of her disease. Immediately, aware that the power had gone forth from him, Jesus turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing in on you. How can you say, Who touched me? He looked all around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling, fell down before him, and told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. And while he was still speaking, some people came from the leader's house to say, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the leader of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. He allowed no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the house of the leader of the synagogue, he saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. When he had entered, he said to them, Why do you make a commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. Then he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Halafakum, which means... Little girl, get up. And immediately, the girl got up and began to walk about. She was 12 years of age. As this, at this, they were overcome with amazement. He strictly ordered them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank <laughs> you. 
Uh, when Sandra Simral read that scripture passage last night, she said when she uh, looked at it, she thought she was the one giving the sermon. Uh, after she read it, I told her that was the best sermon she ever gave. Um, in her book, Whole, uh, Sharon Watkins, a former general minister and president of our denomination, the Christian Church Disciples of Christ, in that book she writes about ways that she has seen and hopes to continue to see ways that uh, the church is being a movement for wholeness in a fragmented world. And one of the stories she shares in that book is about a, a couple in Rock Island, Illinois, uh, one night, they're watching their local news and they hear a story about the rise of homelessness among teenagers in their community. Deeply concerned and troubled by this, the next morning, they show up at their pastor's office at 15th Avenue Christian Church there and they ask, can't we do something? Then Pastor Dave Geenan thought about it and said, yes, I think there is. And so they reached out to other local churches, raised money, and eventually secured a, a building, which came to be known as The Place to Be. The number two with a capital letter B. The Place to Be, which became a place for the homeless teens in that area to have a, a place to, to hang out, to receive meals, to receive tutoring and, and job training and all kinds of things. As Watkins commented, the churches of Rock Island had moved from a mission of mercy to a movement for wholeness. They were no longer simply reaching out, loving God by loving neighbor and creating communities of God's love, as important as that is. They had started asking what can be done to stop homelessness among youth in the first place. They had progressed beyond treating symptoms to reaching out for the cure. Our gospel passage today shares stories of people reaching out to Jesus for cure, for healing and wholeness. In these stories that Mark shares, Mark uses a technique uh, known as sandwiching. Uh, stories within stories. As perhaps you noticed when Stephen read the scripture, the, the passage starts with Jairus, a, a leader of the synagogue, falling before Jesus, begging him to save his little daughter's life. And notice that Jesus doesn't say a word to the man, he just turns and goes with him. And as they are going, a large crowd continues to press in on Jesus. And that's when the next story interrupts and comes in. This time it's a, a story of a, a woman seeking healing. And it's a woman who has been suffering with hemorrhages for 12 years, who had done absolutely everything to get better, but had only gotten worse. And so this unnamed, unclean woman reaches out to touch Jesus's clothes, and she touches just a tiny part believing that doing so will make her well. And we are told immediately, immediately, another trademark of Mark, immediately her hemorrhage stopped and she felt the disease leaving her body. And immediately, as soon as Jesus feels the power leaving from him, he turns around and he asks his disciples, who touched me? 
The disciples think he's ridiculous for asking such a question. There are so many people around. How are they supposed to know? But he desires to know who touched him. And so he scans the crowd looking, the woman realizing what is happening and what has happened. With fear and trembling, she falls down before Jesus and tells him the whole truth. She has fear and is trembling because she, uh, a woman, unclean, has reached out to touch another person, a man at that. So there could be repercussions. So as she falls down and tells him the whole truth, his response, he calls her daughter. Daughter. Jesus seeks out her, seeks her out and welcomes her into community, into family. And while, yes, her physical healing is important, I am not sure that that is the actual focus of the message in this story. For her to experience healing and wholeness in her time back in the day due to the purity laws, she would have to be healed of her physical ailments to be accepted and welcomed into community. So Jesus makes the time to seek her out, to be in relationship with her. It's a beautiful story on its own, but don't forget that while Jesus is making time for this woman, he is delayed in making it in time to heal Jairus' daughter. Mark tells us that while she was, he was still speaking with the woman, people from Jairus' home comes and, and, and tells Jairus, don't bother Jesus any, anymore. There's no need to bother him. The, your little girl is dead. Jesus overhears the conversation, and his first words to this synagogue leader, his first words are, do not fear, only believe. I don't know about you, but those words are incredibly difficult to follow. Do not fear, only believe. We don't know what Jairus actually felt or thought, but we do know he continued to go with Jesus. We are told that Jesus leaves the crowd behind and takes only with him Peter, James, and John. And as he arrives at the house, the, the crowds are there weeping and, and wailing. And did you notice that when Jesus says she is not dead, she is only sleeping, the crowd laughs at him. After they laugh at him, Jesus throws them out as well. And with the parents in tow, go in to where the little girl is. And he says, Talitha kum, little girl, get up. And to the amazement of all, she does. Do you notice, or did you notice that in both these stories, Jesus is not afraid or bothered by the fact that he is either touched by or touches someone people deemed unclean and that he continues to care for each one of them, for their healing. He desires healing and wholeness. He does not reprimand the unnamed, unclean woman for touching him. Instead, he calls her daughter and engages her in conversation, in community, in relationship. He touches the little girl's hand, and whether she is ill and sleeping or dead, she too is unclean. And yet Jesus takes her hand and tells her to get up, and she does. And, and did you notice at the very end what he tells his, the family to do? He tells them to give her something to eat, feed her. There's a lot of meat to this passage, isn't there? 
as we chew on this passage from Mark's gospel, on this sandwich story, what sticks to you in your teeth or in your gut? Where do you find yourself in the story? If I am honest, there are days I would find myself with the disciples asking Jesus if he has lost his mind, how are we supposed to know who touched you? Or more likely with Jairus' people who have lost hope and say, don't bother asking God or Jesus about that anymore. Or maybe with the crowd gathered at the house laughing at Jesus when he says, she is not dead, only asleep. I confess to you, I can be a negative man sometimes. And yet, day after day, I experience and hear stories out in the world, here among you, in and through Beargrass, knowing that God, just as he did with Jesus, God works in and through people to bring healing and wholeness in this world. God is working in our world, and God is working in communities in our country, using others to bring healing and hope. As we celebrate the 4th of July today, we definitely give thanks for the freedom we know in this country. And while for many in our country things are not yet as they should be, we continue to strive and work for it to be so. We hope and pray and work with God for healing and wholeness to be known in our country and around the world. And so as we think about our country today, We certainly give thanks for all those who have and who continue to serve and sacrifice for our country so that we are able to know the freedoms that we know. We give thanks for the servicemen and women and their families and for all they sacrifice on so many different levels. One of the things that breaks my heart is to hear how many of our veterans struggle, especially as they return to civilian life how they feel isolated and alone, maybe cast aside, ostracized, ill and hurting like the woman in our gospel passage, maybe even as good as dead as Jairus' daughter was described. And so I'm grateful for the work and ministry that is being done to help veterans and their families, but no doubt more needs to be done. Chaplain Zachary Moon has written a book entitled Coming Home, Ministry That Matters with Veterans and Military Families. And in the book, he shares stories of veterans and their families, but he also shares resources for churches that they might offer welcome and be a part of offering healing in and through community to the veterans and their families. I appreciate Moon's work and words as well as others like him who advocate for and work to make a difference to offer healing and hope to veterans and their families. Air Force veteran John Mashey is one such person. He knows firsthand that transitioning from military life back into the civilian sector is a challenge all veterans face and that many veterans lack the tools and resources and support network necessary to meet the challenge. And we hear all too often how the lack of tools and support services and resources, how this relates in an alarmingly high rate of veteran suicide and depression, divorce, homelessness, and substance abuse. And so Mashi set out to do something about it. He started a nonprofit in 
in Hendersonville, North Carolina, called Veterans Healing Farm. And the tagline is kind of cultivating life through community. Mashi began dreaming of doing something around 2007, and he was so passionate about what he wanted to do that he shared it with a woman, Nicole, on their first date. On that date, he took her to the outskirts of town and showed her 10 acres of land that his family owns. And he shared with her how a, a recent mission trip to Mexico where he spent time gardening and, and serving, time in community, how that helped bring him healing and help bring him back to life. And how he wanted to use that land to offer the same opportunity for healing and hope to other veterans. Well, eventually he and Nicole married and they started the farm together. There are flowers and vegetables and fruits and bees. The list goes on and on as to what they have at the farm. At the very bottom of the picture, you can even see a 380-foot donation garden in the design of an American flag with red and white and blue plastic mulching sheeting. Planted by vets and tended by vets and volunteers, the donation garden produces around 7,000 pounds of produce each season, all of which is donated for free to veterans and their families. Every week they take their produce to the VA hospital in Asheville to give to veterans. It's amazing. There's a lot more to learn about the Veterans Healing Farm, and so I encourage you to check out their Facebook page or website. So many veterans, including Carrie Mueller, have found healing in and through the farm. Mueller, who is now in her 40s, enlisted in the Army just days after her high school graduation and soon found herself on a humanitarian mission to Somalia. This was in 1992 or so. She was a medical support specialist in Mogadishu. What she saw there still haunts her. And when Mueller left the military, she was alone for the first time since she was a teen, searching for that sense of community that's lost when a veteran leaves active duty. And Mueller is unable to fully describe the scope of what she experienced or to deal with the memories. And so she talks about how the farm has brought her healing and keeps her going. In the article that I read, it, it said that the farm has space when she wants it and community when she needs a reprieve from the battle going on in her mind. She was quoted in this article uh, as saying to the interviewer, I'm standing here talking to you. I'm not dead. And as she said that, kind of a wry smile came across her face because in that moment she realized it marked the second year anniversary of her finding the farm, finding healing and hope, new life. Can you hear the echo of Jesus saying, Talitha Kum, get up, little girl? Do you wonder, like I do, um, just how many people laughed at Mashi when he shared his vision for the farm or began building and creating and planting it? Just as Mueller, just as she is thankful for the healing ministry of the farm, Mashi, he is grateful to be a part of something that offers the healing and hope that he once received and continues to receive by being a part of this community.
I very much appreciate Mashie and Mueller's stories, stories that bring to life the gospel passage and the stories within it we have heard today. What about you? What stories have you heard or been a part of recently that help bring this passage to life? And perhaps more importantly, what are the ways that you and I, ways that we can bring life to missions and ministries, actions that offer healing and hope, wholeness to those in our community and beyond, those needing and wanting to be fed, to be nourished, to be healed and being a part of community where wholeness can be known. It's food for thought, something to chew on. But also as we are nourished in this time of worship, as we are soon to celebrate and be fed in and through communion, as we leave this place, may we seek to feed and nourish, to bring healing and hope to others, to move from treating symptoms to reaching for a cure. Amen. You know, as Susan said, there was a lot to chew on in that passage, lots of different parts. One of the things that stuck out to me as I read and prepared for worship today was the end of the story. After Jesus had healed the 12-year-old girl and told her to get up, do you notice what he told the people there to do? He didn't say... Have her sit back down and, and take a nap. She's probably a little weak. No, he didn't say, get her a blanket. She's probably a little cold. No, what he told her was, get her something to eat. She needs to be nourished. And I bet we can all relate to that in our lives. 
times when we can be hungry, times when we need to be nourished. I've spent the past couple weeks at a wonderful place called Camp Wakandaho with our kids, and I tell you, they, you would think we never feed them, but we have morning meal, we have lunch, we have canteen snack in the afternoon, dinner and evening snack, but still there are times when they're like, I'm hungry. And I'm like, child, we just fed you. But I think sometimes that speaks to a larger need. We all need to be for, for nourished. We all need to be fed. And wherever you are on your faith journey, when we come to this table and we share in this cup and share in this bread, we are fed. And that nourishes us to go out into this world and nourish and share the light and love of God with others. So this morning, all of us, Jesus says, come to the table. Come, share in this meal. Come and be nourished. Let us pray. Dear Lord, you came into the world as one of us and suffered as we do. As we go through the trials of life, help us to realize you are with us even when we cannot see you or hear your presence. Help us during this weekend of celebration of freedom to remember the sacrifices given for us by others and to remember the greatest sacrifice you made for us as we partake in this bread and in this cup. Grant us faithful hope, peace with which passes our understanding, and deliverance from our sorrows. Keep our eyes on your precious gift beyond this earthly existence to your everlasting love and your heavenly kingdom. Amen. On the night before he died, Jesus took the bread, he broke it, and shared it with his disciples, saying, this is my body, broken for you. And after the meal, he took the cup, poured it out, and blessed it. And said, this is the cup of the new covenant. As often as you eat from this bread and drink from this cup, remember me. As we share in our time of communion this morning, it's going to look a little different. But I'm excited to say that we're taking one more step back to a new normal here at Veracruz. So our elders and deacons will be serving you at your seat. As they come to you in the tray, the juice and the bread are stacked together. So you'll reach for two cups together and uh, grab your communion elements. Instead of passing the trays, the deacons will come to the, or elders will come to the aisle in front of you and serve you while you remain seated. That way we can eliminate just a little bit of contact with the passing of the trays. If you prefer the pre-packaged communion elements, they are still available, as well as our gluten-free communion wafers are available in the back, and you are welcome to get those as well. At this time, children of God, let us come to this table, share in this meal, and be nourished.
as Susan mentioned, we are called to share God's light and healing love in this world. And through our offering, we do that each week here at Beargrass. Many of our outreach efforts go to help people address things that are they are facing in their lives. Like St. Mam, helping people not be hungry and be nourished. Habitat for Humanity, which you heard about earlier. Building homes so that people have a safe place to live. And Fed with Faith, reaching out into the community to people who have no home. But through a simple meal, reminded, are reminded that they are loved. This morning we are receiving our morning offering. And again, it will look a little bit differently. Just as you re uh, received your communion, our deacons and our elders will be coming forth to your pew. If you have an offering that you would like to share, you can place it in the offering plate. You are often still welcome to make your offerings online. As the offering plate comes around, though, if you have those connection cards, you can place those in the offering plate at this time as well. Let us now receive our morning offering. Always in this place, there is an invitation to become part of this faith community. A faith community that believes in the power of going out into this world and sharing God's love and reaching out to others. If you'd like to join this community of faith, either by transfer of membership or confession of faith for the first time, I invite you to come forward during our last hymn, or you can see one of the ministers after the service. At this time, I invite you to stand as you are able and join us in our final hymn.
again. Thanks for being here with us. We, especially those who are first-time visitors, so glad that you are here, and we hope you will return. Uh, wish everyone a very safe and meaningful 4th of July, and a reminder, uh, Keith Altman, even if you don't want to volunteer for Habitat for Humanity, the man is very entertaining, so you should stop by and see him on your way out. Also, remember on Thursday, the opportunity to eat at Outback and support St. Matthew's Area Ministries. Uh, and now I invite you to go forth from this place, giving thanks for God's love and presence with you always, for the healing touch that is available, and go forth from this place, offering that healing and wholeness in this world. Amen. <laughs>